You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh. Have I got your attention now? You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. Don't run when you lose. Don't whine that thing. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass ball, ball, ball. I'm falling and I can't get up. All right, welcome back to Money Never Sleeps. This is the show where we touch on everything and anything that impacts the flow of money from around the corner to around the world, across all industries. Now, you can always listen to past episodes on ucwmagazine.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, and a multitude of other places. Now, what I want to do uh, today is touch on the real estate market uh, because, look, it's in such flux right now that we can't ignore it, and I don't want to ignore it on this show. Um, the reality is this. Stocks will always trade, and more stocks can be issued uh, from a company, but in the end, the one thing that will never be reproduced is land. So I want to get into this a little bit. Um there, there's always a constant growth spurt somewhere in the, in the world. Is I mean, it happens, but where new opportunities arise and a boom in in the area begins, buildings go up, houses get built, shopping malls appear, and the people flock to the area uh, if the area is offering job opportunities, and that's a given. Now the trick is having the vision to see where that boom may take place. Now, for those that look carefully enough, it becomes pretty clear. Now, there are a few places in the world that uh, real estate never tends to get old or stale, and it is always in demand. One particular place is New York City. I'm not talking about the outer boroughs. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about upstate. I'm not talking about away from the five boroughs. I'm talking about New York City itself. And believe it or not, with all the congestion and the buildings butted up against each other, uh, you know, I mean, it's like the, the growth spurt continues uh, to flourish. And we're seeing it a lot more often now than, than ever. And it's not only in Manhattan. But it's uh, throughout the five boroughs. Again, if you look carefully, you will see the areas uh, that are in play. And it's pretty interesting if you pay attention to it. Uh, Manhattan has seen a flock of developers swarm around Harlem, you know, for a number of years. And for those that had vision, they benefited from the incentives that the state gave to them. And the city gave to them to roll the dice and try to rejuvenate the area. Now, with the development boom in that area, you know, it, it's, it has reached a, uh, a pinnacle. It reached a, it has reached a point where now those incentives are all but gone. You know, so all that the developers can do is hope to, uh, I guess, create condos and do things, things of that nature up in that area. Uh, the Upper East and West Side, you know, they're always in demand. But, there are a few solid areas that are still in play, but at the beginning stages. And that's important. You want to get there before, not after. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to reserve that information to share with my clients. 
the point is that opportunities are still there, and I have a pretty good handle on all those opportunities, but I'm going to reserve that for my clients, so I do apologize. Uh, Brooklyn uh, had the same type of effect, and it all started with the waterfront properties, those closest to Manhattan. Uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, you know, pick up any, any real estate paper, you'll read about it. Uh, they were targeted by developers early on, and that area was bad. I mean, I'm talking really, really, really bad, where you had to walk with your life in your hands, uh, from one block to the next. And this was just a stone's throw away from Manhattan, uh, cause it's literally one stop away from Manhattan on, on either of the trains there. So the area attracted hipster residents who couldn't afford the Lower East Side rates. Now, those original hipsters, they've been pushed out and replaced by those that are more affluent. And I call them the trusty hipsters. You know, these are the hipsters that have money. Uh, for, <laughs> and it's just an interesting uh, uh, development. Uh, but this is a process. You know, there's no doubt it is a process in the area. As the area gets developed, there there's going to be a big shift in the face of any neighborhood when you're dealing with gentrification, you're dealing with development. And this has spread to uh, other areas of Brooklyn, such as Greenpoint, Red Hook, and other areas, uh, again, other areas of Brooklyn, yet um, there's, there's still more to come, much more to come. And it's just going to be an interesting, uh, it's going to be an interesting deal. Uh, one area of Queens that has had somewhat of that uh, similar effect as Long Island City. And a name, and again, Long Island City, you're, you're talking about uh, a stop away from Manhattan. And uh, the community board and, you know, the city, they were consider considering even changing the name to make it stand out and make it not seem like it was part of Long Island. Uh, but Queens at one point in time was part of Long Island. And they they just don't they want to kind of separate it and 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 disassociate it with Long Island itself, uh, which is going to be interesting. Let's see if if it happens because Queens sits on the Long Island sits on Long Island, as does uh, you know Brooklyn, but neither of them are part of Long Island, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, anyhow, the development of Long Island City is still taking shape, although many high end. Uh, condo and co-op buildings were erected over the years uh it's still it's still developing because it's they're still trying to figure out what what the angle um for them to take is and i think that they're going to wind up finding that uh, pretty soon the trick is you know for for that part of of uh, new york that part of queens the trick is to attract more major businesses to come into the area uh, I know that the Chelsea Marketplace, they've purchased a building in Long Island City and they're looking to bring, uh, companies over there, which is a smart move, especially with the rates that you have in Manhattan. You know, give them an, an alternative, a cheaper alternative to make things happen. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, hopefully they can bring, um, some businesses over there. And, you know, this conversation brings us to commercial real estate. And, you know, if you bring in businesses and they create jobs, it's going to bring in the people. And that, that's what it's all about. You have to be able to create jobs for people to, to be able to pay those rents or buy those condos, buy those homes, and live a, a better life. 
and if you're not if you're not creating the uh, the businesses if you're knocking the commercial businesses out it's going to be very difficult for the areas to flourish uh, as they should flourish okay um and finally the Bronx and Staten Island, uh, they're feeling, they're kind of feeling their way around, but due to the distance from Manhattan, you know, even a boat ride, you get on the ferry, you go from Staten Island to uh, Manhattan, uh, and if you, you're in the Bronx, actually, you can be a stop away from Upper Manhattan, and you have bridges that actually bring you into Manhattan, you know, toll-free, just like you have uh, downtown, and you can actually pretty you know simply head to new jersey from the bronx so um that that's that that's the good part of of that area uh staten island not so much is so far away from everything and it's only now that they're starting to go and uh, develop the the roadway where you reduce the congestion because that's part of the problem with staten island you have the congestion over there you're driving around there and it's bumper to bumper just from you going from your home to going shopping for food, you know, because it's really you only have a couple of main roads there that everyone has to take to get to where they're, uh, where, where they need to go. Okay, but the distance, again, from uh, Staten Island away from everything else, you know, it doesn't come close to, 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 to Brooklyn or Queens, boom. Okay, even though you have developments going on in Staten Island, but it's, it's, I, I doubt it's ever gonna get to that point. Um, and until they begin to develop the areas, uh, by, uh, by the bridges going to New Jersey. But we'll see what happens. And that, that's, that's a work in progress. You know, the Bronx, you know, again, that, that's a different story altogether. Uh, New York City Mayor de Blasio, uh, he's trying to put, through a standard for developers of multifamily units that would force them to have a, a 50-30-20 division. And let me explain that. That that means that 50% of the residents will be at market value. 30% will be middle-income families, and 20% will be specifically for low-income families. So, um, so yeah, uh, imagine having a luxury high-rise building, and you have to adhere to those standards it wouldn't be so exclusive anymore would it and that that's that's the issue here because you have so many luxury residences going up and you're pushing out people that can't afford to be there so what the mayor is doing and i get it uh he's trying to keep these people you know in the community you know which is a noble cause but at the end of the day you know i think that there should be certain uh and there are certain uh low-income housing which is specifically dedicated um, to you know people that need to, to, to live and, and you know whether it be the projects, whether it be you know a building that has affordable to low income standards, they get subsidized by the state, which they do or the city, and they're able to keep these people in homes, and that, that's what you need to do. And I think if you know if, if the mayor wanted to do something, he should actually go and create job programs so people can actually get to work and bring businesses back to New York instead of taxing them, taxing these businesses to, to death. You know, you bring you bring business back to New York, and if it's in Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island, wherever it is, you know, bring the businesses back, and it's going to bring the people back. You have people working, they're paying their rents, they're buying homes, they're paying their mortgages, and uh, it actually helps. Okay, now I want to just touch on the Bronx again. 
you know, I, I wouldn't sleep on the Bronx. Um, and I, I think that the Bronx may be a shining star that no one has really figured out yet. But I, I have my thoughts on that. And again, I'm going to reserve those thoughts for my clients, even though I'd like to share them with you. I do hope that, uh, you know, uh, listeners understand. Um, but, uh, I do have my thoughts on it. It's, it's, it's interesting. Because there are only there are certain parts of the Bronx that may be in play or in a better play than others, you know. But it all comes down to getting there first, getting there first. Okay. Now uh, going back to the uh, the low income deal. Um, look, I, I understand the concept of uh, people in the community not not being priced out of the market. And again, and I said it before, there, there should be a better way to ha- handle it, and I think that they need to do that. I need they need to find a better way to handle it and uh stop pushing people out of the community. You want to redevelop, fine. You want to fix the community, fine. You want to beautify, beautiful. Okay, if people are not you know on board with that, that live in the community, yeah, then they can be they can be shipped or shifted somewhere else to go live, you know, but I I would think that if you're beautifying a community, the community should be involved in that beautification. And uh, just unfortunately, you know, some areas, you know, and I'm a native New Yorker, so you have some areas of New York that have been beaten down. And uh, basically, you know, you look, you know, 15, 20 years ago, certain areas are so beaten down that, you know, people didn't care anymore. They throw their garbage in the street, their dogs, you know, they, they, they uh, go to the bathroom in the street and they leave it there. They leave it there because that's, that's what they want to do. And if you don't have any respect for the community or yourself, the, you know, you, the end result is going to be, you know, you're going to have, uh, you know, semi-chaos. So the cleaning up of New York is a good thing. I, I think that it's, they need to figure out what to do uh, with the lower income uh, families. There has to be something that's, um, you know, something that, that provides some, some type of balance. All right. Anyhow, uh, in short, as you can see, there is uh, still much opportunity in an area such as New York City. Commercial real estate is in play in many other cities, and I'm going to speak about this, not on this show today, but definitely uh, in future shows. But you have to have the vision to see it. You know, you know cities like, uh, you know, L.A., Okay, you have uh, certain parts. Not in Florida. It's not just about Miami. You have other parts of Florida which we are going to touch on that do have the potential because you're getting incentives from the state to do uh, to do certain things. So that becomes very interesting. You have a development boom in uh, in Miami, you know. But then that's cyclical, cyclical anyway because every ten years they go through this cycle, and they may be at the top of the cycle. Don't know yet. Uh, but I would say on a commercial end, uh, commercial properties and uh, certain other developments over there, you know, could be a good play. All right. So uh, in any event, um, again, commercial real estate is in play. And, uh, you know, you have to have that vision. Without that vision and without getting there, you don't have to be the first one there. But 
try not to be the hundredth one there. Try not to be the fiftieth one there. You know, if someone, if you see something potentially happening in an area, don't wait for it to happen and then say, "Hey, I'm going to come in now." If you're, if you're a, uh, a developer, you're an investor. You want to get there before everyone else jumps in because once they jump jump in, guess what? You're the last man on the totem pole, and they've already you know, probably made 30, 50, maybe even double their money in some cases. That's, that's what I saw in certain parts of Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn and Williamsburg and even Long Island City. You know, people bought the properties before anything happened and they made a literal real estate killing. So you want to get there first and it can pay off in spades. Now, with all that said, we have to take a quick break. And we're going to be right back on Money Never Sleeps right after these messages. This is Chef Gavin Murphy with your one-minute healthy cooking tip. A lot of people are more health conscious nowadays, especially when it comes to food. But did you know there are a lot of hidden calories and of all things, salad dressing? They're chock full of added sugars. But don't fret, I've got you covered. Try this quick and delicious salad dressing recipe. Grab a small Tupperware container with a lid and add a quarter cup of balsamic vinegar, two tablespoons of whole grain or Dijon mustard, a teaspoon of organic honey, pinch of salt and pepper and three quarters of a cup of olive oil. Pop the lid on and give it a good old shake. This is spot on for a beautiful summer salad and will keep in the fridge for weeks. For more healthy cooking tips and info, go to GavinMurphy.com. Hi, my name is Peter May of London Central Properties and we're based in Cavendish Square which is close to Regent's Park. The majority of my work experience has been in sales, in particular the hotel and hospitality industry both in the UK and overseas. London Central Properties is an established company with a global presence and a high reputation for service and discretion. We specialise in the sale of high-value, off-market apartments, houses, hotels and investments. We have recently opened a new division specialising in the provision of service departments which cover the full spectrum from budget to exclusive. These apartments are suitable for both leisure and corporate clients and are located in the key areas of London including Mayfair, Knightsbridge, Kensington and Bayswater. For further information, please refer to our website, which is www.londoncentralproperties.com. We have now established an exclusive partnership with the host of Money Never Sleeps, Mr. Louis Velasquez. Hi, everyone. John and Pete Nigerian here at the NASDAQ with some news you do not want to miss. As option floor traders, CNBC contributors, and co-founders of OptionMonster.com, people always want to know our secrets for trading the options. So we wrote an entire book on it. And today, to celebrate the book launch, we're giving away a limited number of these books for free. All you have to do is cover shipping and handling. Learn how you can use options like we do to make more income with less capital. To reduce your investment risks. And to make money regardless of which way the market's moving. It's all right here in this book, and today we're giving it away to you for free. 
Equity options today are hailed as one of the most successful financial products to be introduced in modern times. You have to learn to profit from them. This one book could dramatically increase your investment returns. And today it's free. So pick up that phone and call now. Call 1-800-961-1923 for your free book. That's 1-800-961-1923. Call now. All right, welcome back to Money Never Sleeps, and we were talking about New York real estate, and uh, that was a that was the you know, pretty much the whole part of our first first segment, and I want to continue with that. Uh, I want to expand on that just a little bit more uh, with some current current events that have been taking place. Uh, it was just announced. That Hilton well, Worldwide Holdings, yeah, the same family that the Hardy's eating Burger Girl and reality show mogul Paris Hilton. Yeah, come on, you know, you gotta love the entrepreneurship with her. <laughs> anyway, uh, Hilton Worldwide said it would sell the landmark Waldorf Astoria in New York. They're gonna sell that hotel to, uh, to a Chinese company. And bang insurance, and that's a Chinese insurer, and it's interesting. You know, they're selling this for one point nine five billion dollars cash. Isn't that amazing? Uh, so now the Waldorf, uh, Waldorf New York, Waldorf Astoria New York, is the flagship hotel of the company's luxury brand, which is Waldorf Astoria Hotels and Resorts. Not that you needed to know that, uh, but you know it already. I just wanted to add that in there. Uh, This is why this this sale, I mean, I, I love the hotel business because even if you sell, you're never out of the game. And this is how interesting it is because not everyone can be a hotel um uh, entrepreneur. Not everyone can be a hotel management company. Not everyone can be a hotel developer. That's a specific talent. And in this deal, uh, Hilton Worldwide, they sold it for $1.95 billion to Anbang. Now, Hilton will continue to manage the, uh, the property of, uh, the Wall of Story. They'll be, they'll continue to be the manager. Which is really interesting, and they're they're going to be doing this for the next hundred years as part of the deal. Now, come on, and what other uh, what other industry can you go, have something, sell it, and then get paid to manage the deal? So they're able to cash out and still get paid to manage the hotel as they're doing right now. So as opposed to them losing money they're actually it's it's pure profit for them after they get this 1.5 uh, 1.95 billion uh from Anbang so that is a really really smart move and it's going they're, they're going to put the money to work elsewhere they're going to make acquisitions maybe not in New York but maybe elsewhere globally you know but that does open up their books to do a lot of different things and that again that that makes things just you know a tad bit more interesting now, I want to talk about technology in the future. For the past few years, 
you know, all that has spoken, I mean, people have been speaking about this, you know, they've been speaking about the tech bubble, when is it going to burst, when's the pin going to go in, is it a repeat of the last one, these companies are overvalued, they're valued wrong, they're not making any money, they're no profits, blah, 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 enough already. Here is some reality. If you notice something, any major tech company that has grown from the abyss to becoming a household name was a startup at some point. They had no earnings. They were a startup. Nothing was going on. And they grew to a revenue production machine. And these are facts. So you have to have vision. Just the same thing with real estate. You have to have vision with, with technology companies. Not every technology company is, is worth their salt. But you do have you do have a number of them, even the startups that are. And I don't care if you're talking about Google, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, or even Twitter. You know these names? You know these companies that were once startups that nobody believed in? But nobody believed in Steve Jobs. He was working out of his garage. You know, Google, not too far. You know, Amazon, Facebook, you know, and, and Twitter. You know, even though with Twitter... They haven't hit their stride yet, you know, so, uh, but I, I added them to this because I believe that they're going to figure it out at some point. Uh, the point is, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. If there is a need for it, then it will grow. If you monetize it properly, it will make money. Pretty simple to understand, right? Now, listen, l- listen, listen to this. You know, the age of technology now is night and day from what it was 10 years ago, or even more. We are light years away from what we had in the late 1990s or early 2000s. And with these young minds coming out of the womb with ideas for the future, because now, you know, it's like a clean slate. It's like, wow, anything is possible. Anything is possible. So it's just making things move that much faster. Because if, you know, one thing can happen, maybe this can happen, maybe that can happen. So people are thinking, and I love it because you have young minds at work. You know, they've created learning machines. Yeah, computers that self-learn. And if that's not scary enough, they've created artificial muscle and artificial skin using 3D printing technology. Now, you put that in line with robotics, I I have no doubt that we're going to have iRobots or even Terminator-like type of situations soon enough. Uh, you know, for the for the lonely guy that uh, needs a wife, he'll just make her or vice versa. You know, so that's, that should be interesting. I guess the movies can predict the future. You know, what do you think about that? I think it's possible. You know, look, they, they were making movies about going on the moon before we went on the moon. So if you can think it, if you can dream it, I, I guess it can happen. All right. Um, but, yeah, you know, technology is the future. And, you know, when you have so many different tech companies out there, at, whether they're looking at green technology or they're looking at, at uh, other things like that, you do have a lot of companies out there that are doing some fantastic things. You just have to actually, you know, sift through all the nonsense and get to the bottom line. You know, when, when you're looking at tech companies, you have to look at what their possibilities may be to contribute to the future, okay? I mean, let me repeat that. You need to look at their possibilities that may be to contribute to the future. 
Facebook as a social media company company is only stop one. Trust me on this. They will expand into different areas of tech as it's a natural progression. Especially when you have visionaries as the hel- at the helm. You know, look at Google, look at Amazon, look at Apple. You know, you see how things can happen. But, you know, more, more, more geared towards the, the Google and the Amazons because what they're want, what they're doing right now is they're trying to be so innovative and they're looking towards the future. Microsoft, you know, they, they were doing that, you know, uh, I mean, shoot, uh, they, they, they were creating the smart house and things of that nature before anyone knew about it. Bill Gates had that in his home. So the future is bright. So if you find that special company with that special team in place, and that's key, you got to have that team in place. The team that is committed to the growth and the future of the company in a real way beyond lining their pockets, then that may be your horse to bet on. When you have people that are get that get involved in these companies and they're just looking at it for the buck, these are these are, these are the people that will fail at it. They may initially do something, but at the end of the day, as investors, how do you win? How do you win if the the founders of the company disappear and they cash out? That doesn't work. You know, if you look at Microsoft, you look at Google, Facebook, Amazon, you know, Apple, you know, when Steve Jobs uh, was alive, you know, he was with the company till he, you know, till, well, they were all with the company and they are still with the company except for Steve Jobs, even though he had the in and outs over the years when he was around. But if you look at the major tech companies, their founders are in place. Okay, so you have to find those those type of companies. And what we plan on doing on Money Never Sleeps is we want to bring on some of these up-and-coming tech companies on the show because we want to highlight what we see as being the future. You know, and they may not be public companies. They may be private, privately held companies. But if I see or we see that there is that they have a, a good grasp on what's going to happen down the road, we want to bring it to you first so you can actually find out a little more about them. And who knows? Maybe they're looking for investment. And, you know, if you're an accredited investor, maybe that'll be something that you'll do. Who knows? You know, feed the future. That's what I say. Uh, but anyway, uh, now we just have to take a quick break. And we will be back on Money Never Sleeps right after these quick messages. This is Chef Gavin Murphy with your one-minute healthy cooking tip. For all my fellow fitness freaks out there, eating lean, high-protein meats like chicken, turkey, or even pork loin is part of our everyday diet. I get asked all the time, how do I make chicken breast juicy and not dry and overcooked? This is how. Season the breast with salt and pepper and sear in a drizzle of olive oil in a hot pan until golden on both sides. Preheat your oven to 400 degrees and place the breasts on a foiled oven tray. Pour one cup of chicken broth on the tray and pop it in the oven for six to seven minutes. What's going to happen is the broth will create steam in the oven while the chicken is cooking and add moisture to the meat. And that's my secret. Also, very important, guys, once you take the chicken out of the oven, let it rest for three to four minutes, and this will also keep all the juices in the breast. For more tips and information on me, go to my site, GavinMurphy.com. Hi, everyone. John and Pete Nigerian here at the NASDAQ with some news you do not want to miss. As option floor traders, CNBC contributors, and co-founders of OptionMonster.com, people always want to know our secrets for trading the options. So we wrote an entire book on it. 
And today, to celebrate the book launch, we're giving away a limited number of these books for free. All you have to do is cover shipping and handling. Learn how you can use options like we do to make more income with less capital. To reduce your investment risks. And to make money regardless of which way the market's moving. It's all right here in this book, and today we're giving it away to you for free. Equity options today are hailed as one of the most successful financial products to be introduced in modern times. You have to learn to profit from them. This one book could dramatically increase your investment returns. And today it's free. So pick up that phone and call now. Call 1-800-961-1923 for your free book. That's 1-800-961-1923. Call now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, welcome back to Money Never Sleeps, the show where we touch on whatever impacts the flow of money from around the world, around the corner, or around anywhere. Um, and last thing that I want to touch on uh, is in the world of entertainment. Okay, there are a number of TV, film, and Broadway plays looking for funding. You know, they they're, they're they're looking for funding, and honestly, you don't know what the outcome may be unless you are in line with someone with a solid history in the arena. You have a lot of, you know, um, independent film producers that are, you know, they, they're they trying to get their project off the ground. Some are really good. Some are not so good. Some are people are not actual filmmakers, but they have, you know, a couple of bucks, and they want to make a film to say, hey, I made a film, all right? But you do have some some quality people out there. That maybe they don't have the uh, the lineage or or the the resume that some some higher end uh, directors actually more so producers have, and I believe that real producers it doesn't matter whether you're you're you've been around for fifty years or you've been around for five years. I believe that real producers offer high caliber TV, film, and Broadway productions, and if they are worth their salt. They have a plan of action in line for the investors. They're not just wondering or trying to figure out how can I pay for the film and, you know what, forget about the investors. You have to keep the investors in mind. And there are a handful of these productions that are seeking investments from qualified individuals. I don't want to make mention of any of them on the show, but for qualified investors, if you're looking to invest in an entertainment project, a TV project, film, or Broadway show that is of high quality, high caliber, and it's not going to take a, a hefty investment on your end, you know, I can make the introduction. Just connect with me via ucwmagazine.com or via any of my social media networks to find out more. You know, and the only reason that I mention this because I know of these projects and I, I believe that they do will do well, you know. But then again, uh, if you are looking, if you're going to reach out and connect with them, that'll be you'll have to make an informed decision. So you always have to do your due diligence. And I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. I hope that you're getting some value out of Money Never Sleeps, and that's what we try to do here: educate a little, uh, a little bit, educate our audience somewhat. And we're always on the hunt to bring on guests that can bring value to you, our loyal listeners. And and that's what it's about. So now, beyond following me on Twitter to read my rants, mentions, and replies, you know, I'm all, I always try to support good people 
on social media, and that's what you'll notice. I try to do that, whether it's an athlete, whether it's an entrepreneur, business, so on and so forth. I try to do that because I think, you know, if I think more people should know about it. So you can follow me on uh, on Twitter, and I would recommend that you follow these awesome people who actually have valuable insight that they share with their followers. And that would be from you know from guys like Pete Nigerian on CNBC. He's at at Pete Nigerian, uh, and from the world of business, you got at Lynn Tilton, you know, self-made billionaire. Uh, you have the CEO of the real estate firm Douglas Elliman. You have at Dottie Herman, another entrepreneur uh, that built up in such a in, in such an amazing way. And also from CNBC, you have John Fort, and that's Fort with that's well that's John J O N F O R T T, and uh, he is uh, one of the anchors of Squawk Alley. So you want to check out Squawk Alley at Squawk Alley as well uh, from CNBC, and they, you know they they cover everything tech, and it's really you know it's informative. And lastly for this week, from the world of sports and fitness. Yeah, bodybuilding Hall of Famer Mike O'Hearn. He posts a lot of inspirational, you know, notes and comments where you can follow. And probably the most popular kicker in the NFL today, uh, Steve Weatherford, and that's at Weatherford Five, and he's from he's on the New York Giants. Uh, and he does so many great things out there, you know, I'm I'm proud to know him. Um and again, you know, all these people that I mentioned, you know, they are they, they do post uh you know, informative um, information on their social media. And also, they, uh, you know, you can find out more about them. You may want to follow them and, you know, keep on top of what they're doing because, you know, uh, you never know where you can get your next uh, bit of inspiration or information from. And remember, you can listen to Money Never Sleeps on iTunes, Stitcher, and a host of other distribution networks globally. Um, just you can just go online and find out find out more about that. And again, I want to thank you for tuning in. And uh, the next show we're going to be touching on private equity and startups, and we may you know, talk about uh, some up and coming uh, uh, films. Some some maybe maybe we'll have a an up and coming producer on the show to just talk about the independent film scene because that's really hot now from Toronto, Tribeca and so on and so forth and the, the, this is where you're getting these Oscar nominees and it's really really interesting. And yeah. So we're going to have uh now you have a lot of startups coming in line for 2005, to, sorry, 2015, not 2005. Ooh, that would have been a time warp. 2015 and we want to bring on these startups, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, and some of these companies may be public, some may not, you know, uh, but I just want to share that with you guys so you can see what's going on, uh, not only in technology, but other startups. It could be fashion, it could be this, it could be whatever whatever we feel uh, is going to be a, a booming arena for that company. And they just, you know, they, they want a platform to present to the world and we're trying to provide that here on money never sleeps and that's about it so until next time the next episode i want to wish everyone a great and profitable week thank you initiating shutdown sequence you're listening to ucw radio in your face what is your major malfunction so let it be written so let it be done
Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.